Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have another episode of the Unprofessional Hour. It seems Woo-hoo! like we do these like once a month now. Yeah. We should do these once a week, actually. I think it'll be kind of fun. It's too hard. It's too hard to find people who want to come and share their unprofessional stories. Really? I don't know. That's how I feel. I feel like people get shy about this. Are you shy? You're not shy, right? I'm not shy, but I'm just glad I don't have to give up my full name. <laughs> <laughs> well, for anyone listening, we are going to call this guest Candace. Maybe that's a real name. Maybe it's not. How do you know? You'll never know. Never know. Candace is here to share some stories about all the weird shit that happens working as a registered massage therapist. So... Before we start, let's learn a little bit about you. How long you been a massage therapist? Well, this is my second career, and so I've been an RMT for three years now. What were you doing before? I was a developmental editor, developing science textbooks for higher ed. Totally not related. <laughs> I wish you all could have just seen the look between Mark and I. That that was unexpected. Yeah, we actually do not know this guest at all. That's the most fun. Is we just found an RMT that your Instagram looked interesting. <laughs> you you were around. interesting. Yeah, like I just thought she looked interesting. A friend of mine recommended her, and I said, "Let's do this." Well, that friend's interesting too. He so, is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's very interesting. All right, let's play this back. Um, where'd you where? <laughs> How did I don't even I don't even those were big words. Can you can you say, can you say what you used to do again? That'd be good. Uh, I'm a I was a developmental editor. Okay. For um for textbooks for higher education, but my focus was hard side. It was the science because I have a science background. Gotcha. Where did you get your science background from? Well, I did biotech. Um, and then I went on to molecular biology, biochemistry at university. And <laughs> I'm laughing because you're way too fucking smart to be sitting on that couch. <laughs> like, you, you shouldn't be on this right now. I shouldn't be on the unprofessional hour. Yeah. Is, this what you're, is this what you're saying? I might be too nerdy. We'll find out. No, we'll find out you, might just, you might just be too intelligent. To be. Yeah. Like, did no one tell you this is this is the dummy corner? <laughs> There's no way. There's no way because I know who these people are. I work with all of us. Oh, man. All right. How did you even get into to, to that? So which part? Massage? Or no, like the other first part, part first. Oh, man. Now there's like... Yeah, we're taking Now it's time back. to be like laying on the couch talking to someone who's a, like a pen and paper. Yeah, we can do that. We can do it. I went back to school as a mature student. So I didn't... I had kids. I was a single mom. And uh, I knew if I was going to start going back to school and finishing off and checking all the boxes, I wanted to get something under my belt that was going to get me something marketable. In the end, it's not. So to tell you that that degree, not marketable. That's Mm. what I found out. I mean, I finished with my undergrad and stepped out so I could parent again. And people who have that, who go on that pathway, on that trajectory, I suspect need masters or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because by the time I was done, I was a glorified Petri dishwasher and I couldn't live with three kids in, on minimum wage. So when I had this opportunity to develop textbooks, they were looking for somebody with a science background. I ran the gamut of interviews mm-hmm. and they took me on. So that's what I did. I got to spend time with authors developing textbooks for like biochem and really interesting. That is cool. really cool. It is really cool. Many parts of it, except for it was a very lonely time sitting in an office with me and manuscript and nobody else mm. because really I'm a people person. So right. yeah, when my youngest turned 18 and left the nest to go to college, I quit 
adulting and uh, went back to school again. <laughs> I was going to say, like, what do you mean quit adulting, but went back to school? Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I unplugged, left work, went back to school for RMT. I love that. So what you said about your university degree being not marketable, that's the way I feel about university degrees like in general right now. I feel like people go to university, they get the degree, and unless they're planning to go forward into some sort of postgrad, there's really not much opportunity. Like you need something a little more hands-on, a little more marketable. Um, how did you even find this job posting, like I, like, I don't know. I feel like this isn't even a job I would have thought of when I was younger to do. Like all I want to do is grow up and be a developmental editor. Yeah. Like <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Uh, well, what's interesting is, is that it was actually my youngest, it was, it was nepotism that got me that job mm. position. My youngest's mom was the director of editing in this particular publishing company. And she literally was like, if you can juggle three children and a degree and college and survive, I want what you have, your soft skills to work into this because it literally is herding cats, getting a bunch of authors to come together and stay focused and hand over manuscript on time and make sure that all the checks and balances work out and then submit that down down the like the editing process. Wow. So basically it was because I have a good kid. I have 3, so one of them is a good kid. <laughs> and he helped us out. And th this is how I ended up doing that. Wow, that is so interesting. Did you like doing that? Like, you sound like a very fun, happy person. Yeah. That job sounds like it fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah. So I'll tell you, sitting and collaborating with like, you know, anywhere between two to six authors and talking science and like talking about the meat and potatoes of what they want in their book and how we make intangible tangible. Yeah. I loved that. Okay. Troubleshooting on the phone with my authors to say, I've encountered this issue. How can we work around troubleshooting? Love that. Sitting for 10 hours a day by myself in my office with my door closed with me and a computer. Uh, it was like, mm, yeah. it was a tough, that that was tough pieces that I really couldn't get my head back in the game after, you know, 10 years of working. I was like, okay, this is not it. Yeah. Like, I cannot see myself doing this forever. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to unplug from adulting, I better pick something that feels like I never work a day in my life. So in comes massage. Did you do a lot of research before deciding on this as your second career? Or did you just know this is what you wanted to do? I was pretty impulsive. I was pretty impulsive where I felt like maybe an intuitive pull of, I know that, I mean, number one, I love helping people. I am a people person. And I spent one year as a registered nursing program. I walked out of that because I didn't complete that program when I was the ripe age of like 21. And uh, I was a PSW, a personal support worker mm -hmm. for four years. And so there was elements of like, I can do things. I can touch people. I can do stuff. So I literally was like crying on my RMT's table one day where I was like, I can't bring myself to go back to the office. I've, I'm losing it. I'm losing my like steam to ever show my face in that office again, crying. And she's like, have you ever thought about being an RMT? And I'm like, oh, oh no, no. She's like, do you want me to show you my textbooks? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. So I was literally pulled. And, and I mean, the school that I went to, they had two. Um, pre-courses. One was like, I think it was like kind of like an overview of like uh, human physiology, a little anatomy, um, some of the theory behind RMT, that a pre-course to take, as well as a weekend course on touching people just to 
just to check in to see if this is what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. And both of those were sells for me. I was like, this is this is it. So it definitely landed in a kind of impulsive, I can't stand what I'm doing, but I need to do something where mm-hmm. I need to map out the rest of my life in a way that I can feel like I'm not working. I find it so interesting that your RMT said, have you ever thought about being an RMT? It's interesting to me too, because if you were on my table crying that you don't want to go back to work, I wouldn't know what to fucking do. I would probably just <laughs> like, hey, do, do you want some water? <laughs> Like, do you need some time? I wouldn't have been in all in there Am trying I really to help you for out. any excuse to leave the room so he didn't have to come for you? Yeah, I, that would not be me. Do you need a moment with some Kleenex? No, see, I just, I can't imagine, I don't think that I would make a suggestion like that for a number of reasons. One, I feel like it's very bold. Like, you've got this vulnerable person and you're like... You know, have you ever thought about RMT? Well, in that moment, she would probably say yes to anything. So I don't know if I would have done it for that reason. But also, I feel like more often than not, my clients are saying to me like, "Ooh, like you touch feet? Like, oh, don't your hands hurt? Oh, do you get tired? I feel like more of my clients look at my job as like, man, your job sucks. Meanwhile, I'm like, this is the easiest, best job ever. But I, I don't think I would have ever suggested that. You know what I would not have done? Do you want to see my textbooks? Like, <laughs> like that's okay, just, that's so just throwing background fuel on in my the RMT. fire. <laughs> like, are you, are you guys besties? We are friends. Okay, there oh, you go. Okay. So we are there friends. There you go. So she knows how to catch like, my interest, she right? Deals like, with books textbooks. all day long and authors and stuff. I'm going to be like, yo. <laughs> You're, you're crying and shit. Life you're, sucks for you. You want to check this out? No. Yeah, I've got some read my textbooks. I have some textbooks for you. You hate your. Okay, so your RMT was also somebody that knew you very right. well, knew that you already had the science background. Like, was school just so fucking easy for you because you had this background? Oh fuck, nope, no. no. So I mean, I even took anatomy in university as a, one of my credits. Like yeah. I took it all and I kind of thought, kind of thought I had it in the bag mm-hmm. and I was scrambling that whole time. So I don't know because I, when I went back, I was, I was in my early forties and I think that my brain is just old. I just like, I couldn't, I had to study my ass off to keep it going and to keep this momentum. I also did an accelerated program. So we finished our, our two year program in 16 months. Southern mm-hmm. Chan. Mm. So I took the last, like we were the last group of kids. 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 <laughs> we were the last group that ended up um, taking the 16 month. And then they found out that it was just too much of a burnout rate. Like it was a high failure mm-hmm. rate. So they extended it to 18 months plus, plus, plus. So mm. we were the last of the heat. And I can tell you that it was like, it was tough. I don't know if it's your brain is old. It's it's the, if you don't use it, you lose it thing, right? So I mean, like for how many years you've been doing this textbook development thing? And yes, you've got a science background, but not necessarily anatomy. I mean, I had a degree in kinesiology when I started massage school. I was the same, cocky as shit. I got this. Like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm I'm good. And yeah, it was a lot more difficult than I expected because I was like, I already know anatomy. Why? This should be so easy for me. Yeah, maybe I didn't know it as well as I thought I did. Or maybe RMTs need to know it on a level and as well as because it's not just theory, but it's application. And I think RMTs need to know this in a certain level of detail or certain application that we never had to. I mean, not to say, not to profess that I know anything about kin backgrounds, but I can tell you in my field... Nope. Like, mm. you know what I took? No, yeah. I didn't have to. So you're right. When you don't use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. And that was parts of my my brain matter, my gray matter that I never used. And it was like, it was a tough, it was a tough gig. Yeah. It was a long, it felt like a long haul. So I don't have abs anymore. <laughs> 
You don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> I haven't seen the inside of a gym in like years. <laughs> I actually go to the gym all the time, but I eat all the cheese and I drink all the wine that is just kind of teetering. We'd get along. It's just teetering. Yeah, I think we would. Wine it's and probably, cheese, yeah. I'm yeah, into it's, it. It's a good idea. Well, that's why you go to the gym, to allow yourself to have the wine The wine and, and the, the cheese. Wine, the cheese. Yeah. yeah. And gym. This is it. All we need in life. <laughs> I do yoga. Does that count as something? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We're both earth muffins, by the way. We discovered this oh, off Jesus. mic before you were here. I'm yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's a science hippie. I'm a science hippie. Yeah. We're going to get along just fine. Uh, okay. So then you finished massage school. Yeah. And did you sort of go off on your own right away? Do you work in a clinic? What's So I work at a two clinics. As soon as I finished writing all of our whatever the Less exams yeah I actually had a supervisor the cool thing about Sutherland Chan is they have a lot of specialty clinics and I had one in neuro and my supervisor worked for a clinic that was looking for an RMT in the Whitby area mm. so that's where I'm from so that's literally like that was just a gift where he Beautiful. was like yeah it was a gift handed to me saying he's waiting for your call I really I recommend you to him because I really like what you do so please go and that person contacted me because I was like, but I haven't gotten my, like, what if I didn't pass the test? Like, what if I didn't, gra like, what if that, what if that's not true? Like, what if I actually don't have my registration number? What if I'm not registered? I can't contact him until I have it in the mail. Like, mm -hmm. right? The final. You wanted to see that proof that you are. That I graduated or that I passed. Therapist. I guess yeah. you see the proof that I passed. So he ended up reaching out to me going, I'm waiting for you, Candace. Like, what? why have you not contacted me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, are we doing this? And he's like, yes, I want you to come in. So it was, it was another gift. I was, I've, I definitely have to say I've been blessed. Um, it was, it was gifted to me that it was a practice just waiting to happen. It's a physiotherapy office that specializes in spinal cord injury and stroke rehab. So it definitely stirred my brain. And I loved the people, the people who come into that clinic is a special breed of people, mm -hmm. right? The warriors who are coming in to fight through to try and make big changes, very different than like a business kind of spa-ish environment, which happens to be my other clinic, which is definitely, it's run by an RMT. It's all RMTs that have different kind of, we can't specialize, but we have people who do cranial sacral and some people who mm -hmm. do all the, you know, the full gamut. And so I work there as well. And again, another really interesting brood of people, but they don't they don't translate to each other. Right. So it's really interesting that I get the experience of both. In the clinic with all the therapists, I know you said you can't specialize, but who what are the type of clients that are sent to you? Like what do your colleagues know you as? Oh man. Are you the neuro person? Are you like who are you? So I also on top of my RMT, I went to McMaster and I got the neurofunctional acupuncture program under my belt. So I do get a lot of people who if there's any kind of neuro symptoms, um, people will be like, I I don't really know how to treat this. I'm going to refer you to Candace. So I do get a lot of people who come in, you know, the ones who are like, fix me. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of that where they come in and, you know, so-and-so said that you could fix me, fix me. <laughs> <laughs> fix me, damn it. <laughs> I love that when a client says, I, I have a client, actually, I saw her this morning. Um, it was just random. I was supposed to have a fully booked day. And it was one of those strange days where it, like people were dropping like flies. I had three cancellations, like boom, boom, boom. I'm like, what the heck? What is going on today? And then I had a client contact me. And so she came in and she has probably sent me 
like 10 to 12 people over the years. Like she's always sending. And each one of them that comes says, your client so-and-so said, you fixed her. Fix me. And I'm like, oh, dear. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. No pressure whatsoever. <laughs> Like, sure, I'll fix you. What's wrong? What's broken? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about the words fix me. I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't, if, love I don't know it. if I can fix you. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. This is the, the biggest thing that I think is like the biggest conundrum when people come in saying fix me. It's like, mm, ah. When you make them feel better and their signs and symptoms are down and they're functioning better, do you wear the title though? Like, I fixed you? I won't. So the one thing I will tell you is that I really believe... I think one of the key principles of my practice or how I focus on it is that all I'm doing is a nudge to the nervous system to say, please, please change. Like, please, please let this release. And then hopefully you're going to remember this in more than three days. Like, please actively move into something different. I'm going to nudge the nervous system into that. And if your nervous system, uh, pardon me, if your nervous system's on board, then it's a win. Mm -hmm. But if your nervous system isn't, there isn't anything I can do to help make a change or to fix a person. Mm -hmm. I can't fix people. I just don't, I don't subscribe to that idea. So no, I won't wear that. But of course, I feel like it's a win. I'm in the corner jumping up and down when my patient comes back and is like, whatever you did, I don't have this thing. And now I'm back playing basketball. Or I actually had a guy who came in and he was like, a weightlifter and he was going into like some kind of heavy division. And I literally had to, when he came to me, he was like, so he dropped his jogging pants and he was in the tiniest of little like banana hammocks. <laughs> and what color was it? It was yellow. Stop it. Yeah. It was, I'm not even kidding even you. It was even yellow. It was even <laughs> yellow. And he literally turned around and showed me his ass. And he was like, so if you can take a look, you'll see that my right gluteal line is like higher on one side and I need to have them both equal for my show. So you need to fix that. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, oh, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Literally staring at these like this. I, he must. He was a six. He was six foot four. Yeah. He was like this giant, like heavy duty weightlifter going into competition and needed his ass cheeks to be equal. Was he tanned and oiled up when he, he was not? His pants? He oh. was not. He was really that's what pale. I'm yeah. no, he was pale and he was really hangry. <laughs> he was pretty oh, miserable no. every time he hit my table. <laughs> oh my! So did so did you get his butt cheeks looking good in his eyes? In oh. his eyes, he was happy with the work that we did. And he saw things like uh, it extended well beyond the ass. It went down into his calves. He cared about his gastrox being equal size, equal stature, enough gait walking, like watching him walk and stuff. I think that somebody who knows how to kind of take a check in on the visual, you would see that it would never, it's not going not gonna to change with acupuncture. It's not going to change with my yeah. massage. But in his world, this is how he got second place. And so he will forever tout acupuncture as being the winner and then brought in four of his friends. So there was a good chunk of my time in a year that I was just massaging people to be equal on left and right side. Do you see how fucking powerful your mind is? Of course. Did acupuncture make this guy's glutes perfectly symmetrical? Absolutely not. No. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to anyone listening who thinks that it did. No. No. But... The power of his mind. He had complete faith in you. And you, I mean, you did what you could do. You yeah. didn't claim that you were fixing him. No. Nope. And he will forever think that you are the woman that made him <laughs> win second place. That's yeah. so fucking cool. Yeah. I am He's the an one. Athlete. 
Yeah. That's so. how athletes are. You find a formula that works and you, yep. you do well. You don't stray from it. That's it. That's all there is to it. It's true. That's how ritual happens. Yeah. The clients that come to me with the fix me mentality as well, when they say afterwards that I fix them, um, I'm with you. I don't subs- I don't think that I'm fixing anyone, but I will tell them like, no, what I do is incredibly passive. And I'm aware of that. I know that when I'm working with you on the table, I'm not making any kind of serious permanent change, but things I am doing for you, I'm making you very aware of things that you're doing that are causing these problems. So you yourself are making these little adjustments. You're fixing your daily life and you're making yourself better because I made you aware of it. Yes. That's all I'm doing. Yes. Nothing magic. No, there, there isn't anything magic. By the way, I hope none of my clients are listening, giving away my secrets. (laughs) I mean, I I mean, I mean, I fix you. I fix you. Acupuncture will make everything symmetrical. Yes, it will. Yes. I'm curious about the banana hammock. (laughs) I knew, I knew you were going back there. Well, he's a bodybuilder. Yeah. And um, I'm assuming that there's there's enough sport enhancing drugs that are happening. So why are you you laughing? Because I always know where you're going. I know you too well. I can't look at you because I know where this is going. uh, How how did his sport enhancing drugs affect his testosterone producers and how did they look in his banana hammock? Oh, are you asking about his balls? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I knew where he was going. Mark wants to know about the banana hammock balls. Yeah, I did. Got it. Got it. Um, Well, as from all the balls I've ever seen, I feel like they were pretty much on par. They're on par? Yeah, they didn't look like they were particularly smaller or larger. I just feel like... You know, because I had a buddy who did a lot of juice before, and he's like, "It's the weirdest thing, man. It's like your balls shrink, but they don't shrink, but they do shrink. Like your testicles shrink, but your skin is all still loose. So it's just like flappy." Oh ball no, skin. really? That's what he told me, flappy and I, I didn't. I didn't really skin. ask about it. Well, how old was that. he with his flappy ball skin? He was. This time he was in his early twenties. That's pretty young to have flappy ball skin. That's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. When it's you, like his if you shrink, were to stop with the performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. Do you get your balls back? To some extent. So you have external testosterone coming in, so your body shuts off producing it. Yeah. So after you've gone through that and your body turns on a bit, but might not go back to normal. So I have a friend who did that and he ended up like winning a few like his his bikini strutting what he does, right? <laughs> yeah. Like what they do his like Oh, the shows. The, the shows is, and yeah. stuff and he won. Um and then as he got older, he stopped and he just went back just to continue to weightlifting cuz mm-hmm. that was his thing. Um and he tells me and he's in his mid 40s that he's still taking testosterone because his body never recovered making testosterone. Yep. Yeah, I assume if you do that it for all, long enough how long and how aggressive you've gone at it for. I mean, I know this is such a tangent, but women, for example, birth control, most women, I think the average age uh, that a woman starts taking birth control is probably around 15. Like from, this is completely me just making shit up right now. But I feel like teenagers, even with my clients, I have teenage clients, 15, 16, 17. And when it says current medications, it's always birth control, birth control. And that was something that always scared me. Like I, I, I couldn't take birth control pills because I was afraid of the idea that like, why am I putting all of this, all these hormones in my body? Like, what am right. I doing to myself? And it actually scared the shit out of me. So does that mean that you didn't take birth control? I didn't. I did for my 
teenage years, like probably 17 until my early 20s, when I started actually, like when I was in university and actually started learning about the endocrine system and everything. And I was like, yeah, I don't feel good about this. And so I, yeah, I didn't take birth control since probably 22, 23 years old. Interesting. Yeah, I do think this, I mean, from this conversation going on to hormones, I do think that we need to pay attention to what's happening. I mean, not even just like the voluntary, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody who's doing uh, enhancement for their performance or somebody who Mm -hmm. is trying to stop the unexpected pregnancies. It's even food, Mm -hmm. you know, our environment. Absolutely. I, I know way too many women with infertility mm-hmm. or fertility issues, uh, polycystic ovaries, yes. all of this stuff. And it's it's hormones. Like, where is this coming from? Yes. Milk. It's coming from milk. milk. I, don't I don't drink milk. I make shit up. Well, I don't drink but milk. But probably, though. yeah, we don't drink milk. It's very unnatural. Why, why the, we're, the only, we're the only fucking animals that drink the milk of another animal. Well, but dial it back for a second because I absolutely love cheese. Yeah. I just and love and cheese. I do love cheese. I love cheese. Oh, I, I, I love now, dairy I also, products. I just so won't drink product. milk. But then, but that's, the, but if you're talking about if it's coming from another animal and we're the only No, ones, I just mean like direct. It's just milk. Yeah, just to hate on milk, but we can love cheese. Fuck yes. Cheese is great. Okay, good. You know, having a burger without cheese, it's not the same. You can't have life without cheese. Here's, here's my justification behind that is like, if you want something to drink, have water. Yes. But or wine. having, or wine, I'm, man, we just got to hang out. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want something to drink, have something to drink. Why milk? Milk has never made sense to me. Even as a kid, I didn't, I like, I don't know. I didn't like milk. And so I've always been more of a water person. And when I was having kids, I did a lot of thinking back and forth on this. Like, you know, I intend to nurse them. If and when that stops, you know, do I, I don't, I don't know if I want them drinking cow's milk. It just didn't make sense to me for that reason. Like Mark said, like, this is for a baby cow. Why am I feeding it to my child? But taking, like, we eat animal products, you know, like I'm, I do eat meat. I'm not a vegetarian. So I don't see anything wrong with like using the milk, making something delicious like cheese. And and consume all parts of it. Cool. Don't drink it. I'm okay with that. But yeah, drinking the milk was always very strange to me. Yeah. But I mean, that's just me. You, you drink milk, you feed your kids milk. That's fine. (laughs) I just find it very strange. We can be politically correct all of a sudden. It's fine. It's, it's fine, fine that you just serve your children milk. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. What do I know? I got a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking know anything. I was about to say, yeah, it's just a podcast. It's not CNN. But if you've watched CNN lately, we might as well be fucking CNN. Have you, have you watched I'm CNN? I'm not watching. So my partner is always about the news and he's always, well, sports and news is this guy. And I just kind of breeze past my TV when it's on and I try not to look. I kind of like divert my eyes because mm. I just, I just don't. It's I just don't want that toxicity in my life. It's like that and milk. <laughs> <laughs> Sports and news, like, like what kind of news are we talking about? Like, like, I don't like know. CP24 news? Or are we talking about like one of these US around uh, the clock no, you know, okay, news no. channels, which I now coined the term, you know, wrestling, wrestling is uh, sports entertainment. Well, to me, that's what CNN is now. It's news, news entertainment. entertainment. Yeah. Oh, I like You that. like that, right? I like that. They yeah. all just... Not to be confused with entertainment yes, news. Yes, it's not entertainment news. Which is no, like entertainment is tonight. Like, yeah. Right, you know, right. This is, uh, this is news, news entertainment. entertainment. It's basically this public fight between CNN and Donald Trump all day. Yeah. That's all it is. That's because it's fake news. It's entertaining. It's fake. Yeah. Whether it's fake or not, I find it entertaining. It's a little entertaining. What do I know? 
All right. So why don't we talk about I know. About sorry. I, do, I, I take responsibility. The banana hammock fucking brought this whole <laughs> no, thing No, we on. totally had to talk about the banana hammock. Yeah. That was relevant. Have you seen <laughs> any of the other banana hammock colors that he has had? No. No, no this was a one-time only deal. Oh. Afterwards, he was wearing like cute little underwear. Because, I mean, come on. I mean, he was a weightlifter. He had a great ass. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, he looked great in his underwear. And I didn't mind inspecting to see if there's symmetry or parallel. You know, that's what he asked her to do. He, this is totally what he asked me to do. Yeah. I was on board. We always reference sitcoms on this podcast and Friends is like the top one. Did you ever watch Friends? I did. You see the episode where Phoebe bites her client's ass? Yes, I have. <laughs> have you ever wanted to bite one of your client's asses? Either one of you. No. It's an open question. I was going to no. say, in all fairness, by the time I became a massage therapist, we were engaged. So. Oh, so then you, she pleads the fifth. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fake news over here. Fake, <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> You've never wanted to bite any of your clients' asses? No, but I've never, even in my personal life, I've never like been, oh yeah, I can't wait to sink my teeth into your ass. Like, <laughs> it's just not, it's so not, it's not, not my Mark thing. Mark doesn't play that way. Well, He's no. not about teeth and ass. No, I'm not, I'm not teeth and ass. Is that true? He, he's not about teeth and ass. <laughs> What, you like butts? I see you checking out like even butts. other girls' butts. I, I, just, I just don't. I'd rather you do other things to them teeth. than bite right. them. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> not into biting. It's true. He's never bit me. Okay. Yeah. Never right. bit me. I bit you once. Yeah. That was. That was. I think I fucking got mad too. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Let the record show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was not. It was not playful. <laughs> he was not happy. Oh, fucking biting, bite my lip. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Horrible. Oh, I'm thinking, right do some fucking else. Why are you biting my lips? <laughs> There's many things. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. So unprofessional hour. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. See, this is this is the type of stuff we talk about in the unprofessional hour. You can just talk about anything. Biting ass, biting lips, whatever. Yeah. Banana hammock. Banana hammocks. Ball sizes. <laughs> okay. Is there something you can think of, like the weirdest thing in the three years you've been a therapist, the weirdest thing you've ever encountered? Well, I have a patient who is the weirdest guy. I really love him. He is a, he's, he's a really incredible story. But his story is somebody that I'd, I, cannot, I cannot tell you how this is happening and what's happening. But I have a guy who came to me for acupuncture. And he came because a retired stunt double... So his career, he was a, profes a yep. professional stunt double. He was retired and works in like, I don't know, carpentry something. Still works with his hands. One particular night, walked out of a bar, had some drinks in him. Somebody who was drinking also drove and hit him. And when he hit him, the stunt guy grabs onto an antenna, oh. saves his own life yeah. by holding onto the antenna and lands on his feet when the car all of a sudden realizes that he has a passenger on board stops guy lands on his feet however shreds and tears every muscle in his shoulder and has x-rays and ultrasounds to show and the surgeon recommends him to have surgery to reattach his rotator cuff muscles um, biceps long head there's a couple of them that literally had have torn and detached this guy says no i'm gonna do it myself and came to me with a broken thumb that was really evident, didn't get that set, came to me with a shoulder that literally was sitting in sulca sign, which, yeah. uh, you know, like just, just hanging to look at him without a shirt on. His arm was like looked detached and 
we did the work. He did the work. He did this mental meditation every night in his hot tub. He was like, Candace, we have eight months to get me back to work. And we're going to do eight months. And he went into like those deprivation tanks and he floated to meditate. He used to meditate to have his shoulder, um, the nerves, because he had no sensation. So you know that he tore some nerves. Doesn't he in like seven months stop coming to me? I have no idea what's happening. And then he shows up like, I don't know, three months after the fact. Full range of motion, full, his thumb is still all disjointed and weird, but the rest of him, he's like, yeah, when I do this, it hurts. So I just try not to do that often, but I still do it because I work. And he is like full on functioning shoulder. That's weird. That is weird to me. That is fucking cool. It is beyond cool. I didn't even know what you meant when he said no to surgery. He's like, I'm just going to do it myself. When you said that, I'm like, what's what's he going to do to himself? Like, what's going on? He's going to heal himself. That's insane. That is insane. And he was just committed. He was committed and he did it. That's weird. Power of your mind. Well, for sure. It's insane. We did an episode about float tanks because Mark won't go anywhere near them. I did one for the very first time, whatever we did the episode, probably back in the winter. And I could see how it's relaxing. It took me a while to get into it because I'd never done something like that. Like I think, you know, going a few more times might be helpful. I haven't gone back actually just for lack of time. Um, but that is crazy. So he would just go in these tanks and meditate and like and, and visualize the nerves regenerating. Yes. And that is so yes. fucking cool. Yeah, that's what he did. I mean, and then I know there's a book I, I was reading. I'm not done yet. It's like the power of the brain or the brain can heal itself. Joe or Dispenza? Not Joe Dispenza. However, I do know that one. Um, and I have some Joe Dispenza books. But uh, this guy, it was connected to laser. Do you have? Do you guys are you familiar with laser? Because I ended up meeting the author, and it was like I was fangirling him. He was I'm, like eighty something. Hmm. No, I okay. Don't know who it would I'm going to have to think about this. Nonetheless, like I know that with neuroplasticity, there's a lot of cognitive channeling. Like if you actually think it through in the mm-hmm. mindful act, then you can change how your nerves will regenerate. You increase its chances of regeneration and regrowth and changing the frontier. Am I right to say it? Am I right to call it a frontier? Does it matter in unprofessional hour what to call it? Totally fine. Okay, good. So I'm going to call it the frontier in my world. I don't even know what it's called anymore. But you know, when you have that regeneration and the regrowth, and then you can push it forward if you have a cognitive practice of mindful consideration of that nerve pathway. So I kind of feel this is, he doesn't know what he's, he doesn't have this background. And here, this is what he did. What made, did you ever ask him what made him make that decision? Like, was he just so terrified of surgery? Does he dislike doctors? He's a fucking stunt guy. He can't be scared of surgery. No, and he wasn't. Exactly. So what made him make this decision? He felt like he could do a better job of it because that's what he does. He's also the guy who's all like, I came to you, Candace, because I like your energy. That's why he picked me. I like your energy. So he's Did that he say guy. it like that? <laughs> no, I think that's how I say it in my own head when he comes and talks to me. I like your energy. I like your energy. <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah. That so I feel like that's so probably cool. my weirdest story. Like well, he the probably, most interesting. It's a really interesting story. Yeah. And he probably does himself in quite a bit. So mm-hmm. he's used to, I mean, not to this extent, hopefully. Yeah. Or maybe he's done this to himself before <laughs> somehow. He's like, oh, no, I know what to do. I've, yeah. I've torn my leg off before. I can <laughs> Dangling <laughs> arm. I got it. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I'll be back. In eight months. <laughs> have you have you worked with any other stunt people before? I've worked with stunt people before. You have? Yeah. Why am I learning this right now? I used to work, I used to have a patient or patient client, whatever you want to call him. I feel bad for him because he's a really 
heavy set guy and he did stunt work for all the heavy set dudes he did stunt work for john candy he did stunt work for chris farley oh, I do and he's this. like these guys are all fucking past like i don't have work anymore he's like i right. I, I there's nobody around that matches what i got going on for me to do stunt work anymore he's he, he doesn't really do the job anymore oh Aww. yeah i felt bad for him you know, I'm sitting here trying to think of like some famous heavier dudes that would need stunt doubles. I got nothing. Kevin James is the only dude that comes to my mind, but he, this guy is like a John Candy, Chris Farley right, size right, right. kind of guy. Mm. Where I like, I had to take my hydraulic table and slam it all the way down to the ground, and he was still like his back was still up at my shoulders with the table all the way down. I felt bad for the dude a little bit. Mm-hmm. I hated yeah, massaging right. him though. It was such Why? a fucking hard go. It's so hard. He's such a big guy and i i I was never i never felt like i had the right leverage with him because i'm not the tallest dude ever and this is the lowest i can get my table and i just i just i was was just uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because he's also so big he just emits heat it's like it's like this cloud of heat that comes off of him (laughs) and i'm just like uncomfortable i'm just like warm and moist and sweaty and shit <laughs> and he's all hot and sweaty and i it just it was just it, it went nowhere fast he enjoyed it he felt great from it but i it's one of those things where i'm just like i see his name in the schedule and it sounds horrible but whatever i see his name in the, and i'm just like fuck i don't want to do this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you had to gear yourself up for that one. Yeah. yeah. I only had one client like that, like what you were describing, like a really, really big guy. He was really tall as well. Yeah. And he was just, yeah, very a really big guy. And same thing, I would have to make sure the table was low. And I yeah, I never did feel like I quite yeah. had the body weight to put into it. Like, not that you need to put like tons of pressure, but I'm like, this is a big guy. And yeah, it was, it was a workout for sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't get so discouraged when I'd see his name because he was just also such a sweetheart that I'm like, oh, yeah, I like well, to see him. a nice guy, but nonetheless, I still fucking hated it. Well, a cloud of moist, sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> All we're missing are banana hammocks. <laughs> banana hammock. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> that one's coming back. <laughs> In the time you've been working as a therapist, any really like negative experiences you've had? Like I know we've been having so much fun, but any just yeah. like awful clients, either irate clients, creepy clients, like anything? Well, I have, it was interesting because it was like fresh into my practice. I was probably an RMT for a minute and I did get the creepy guy who came in and I didn't know how to manage it. At some point when he was, he turned over, we, we did some work and everything was stiff and he had his hand where his junk is while he was laying face down. Mm. And then when I turned him, his hand proceeded to go back to that and he was stroking. And I was like, I don't know how to manage this situation. And I'm like, at this point I feel, I felt like I could handle pretty much anything Mm because I'm not young and I've also seen, you know, guys stroke before, so I just didn't even think it'd be a thing, but it was totally a thing. And as I was there, I literally kind of drew a blank of how do I, how do I manage the situation? Mm -hmm. And I know I took therapeutic relationships in school and I know we talked about it, but when push came to shove, I actually froze. And Mm -hmm. at one point I literally took his hand and I put it on the outside of the of the blankets and I tucked his blankets in because I'm like no access now but then of course because he's just a grown man he just like slid his arm right back in so this I'll treat you like a baby (laughs) swaddle you but no it didn't work no it didn't work and I literally like fortunately I guess there was only like fortunate 10 minutes left and so I just 
pretended it wasn't happening. Oh. And I did some head, neck, and shoulders as he just stroked his junk. And then I exited left. He, he actually dropped like just cash on the table and walked out the door. So I have a sneaking suspicion he wasn't quite... Um, Maybe he thought it was like a happy ending type of place or whatever, but nonetheless, that was probably the, that was my no, most unsettling. No, there's no way he thought that was a happy ending place. No. Because a happy ending place, you would be touching his junk and you wouldn't be covering him up, right? Okay, so fair. he knows, he knows where he's at. Well, this th- is his deal. Would you recognize his face right now? If he was to walk in the store, would you be like, you're the fucking dick stroker? <laughs> No, probably not. No? no, probably not. But I will tell you that um, I did actually shoot a text message to the owner of the clinic. And I was like, this just happened. And I want to make a note on his files so nobody else gets tripped up over this. And and that we can kind of, he comes in with a bit of a reg, red flag. And the coolest thing is that um, the owner actually said he's never to come back. No, of course. A big flag. Yeah, that's not and okay. And to sit there and say, she, he will never do this. And checked in with me. Am I okay? Yeah. Now, this is not the stuff that will kind of unravel me, but it was definitely the most unsettling, crappy experience. Especially being so brand new. Like you just start practicing, you're all excited and you're treating and you're probably like, you know, fresh out of school. So you're thinking like, yeah, I'm going to do this, this, this. And you're like, oh, okay. So you're just here to stroke your dick. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So disgusting. And the weirdest thing was, is actually it was our our mutual friend. There was only two of us working in the clinic at that time. Mm. And he wasn't even there. He went out for lunch. And so when I actually came out out of my treatment room and I checked the schedule, I was like, I'm the only one in this building. Does he know (gasps) this? Does he know that I'm the only one in this, in our clinic room right now, um, in our clinic space? And so that actually prompted me to go and sign up for Muay Thai. So now I, now I practice Muay Thai and I don't even know if I could actually use it in defense, but I feel like very much like a ninja. So I kept that going (laughs) and I feel better about being alone in a clinic space. So that's something, um, when I was working at the, the first clinic I ever worked at, I was the only therapist and, often I was the last person working. And so I had a very, very strict rule about like no new clients when I'm going to be by myself. Like I don't want to be in this building by myself with somebody I don't know. And a couple of times without my knowledge, like the clinic owner would just book someone with me. And I mean, thankfully nothing bad ever happened, but there were times where like I have you know, this dude coming in for their first treatment and I'm by myself and it's very obvious that I'm by myself. I'm like, yeah, this isn't okay. We can't do this. Yeah. Which is, I think the unfortunate thing, that's the spinoff. That's the trade-off of, of being in this industry is that you actually have to have that thought process. Mm-hmm. You actually have to have the conversation in your head of like, what's okay? What's not okay? Mm. When do I feel safe? When don't I feel safe? And mm-hmm. I feel like in our work setting, it's unfortunate. That's one of the things that you actually have to consider as an RMT. Am I in a safe environment? Am I making myself the safest right now? Because I do remember at some point when I was talking with our friend to sit there and he was like, well, then that's it. I'm never going out for lunch again. I'm, I'm just going to stay here so you feel like you're safe. And I'm like, well, dude, that doesn't even make sense because like I, this is our profession. Like I need to be able to work in isolation alone and not worry about, do I have, do I have friends with me? Mm-hmm. Right? Like I, this is professional. This is what we do. So I better have to show up with something. Does that change the way, the way you think of yourself acting in the rest of the world? Like when that happens to you and you're like, oh man, I got to start being more mindful about potential scenarios that can happen. Does that just stay in? 
in the office or does that go with you now into the world the rest of your life? Well, I feel like, I mean, I have more awareness because I do think that what I, so ultimately, I think what that guy was trying to do, it wasn't a sexual thing. I think he was trying to control my space or try and make me feel uncomfortable in my surroundings because it's, it, he didn't, it wasn't, I just feel like that was his intention. His intention was to make me uncomfortable in my space, and that was his point of reference to get some type of satisfaction. So I am more aware of that exists in the world because I hadn't encountered that before of somebody just trying to take over my space mm-hmm. and then it take enjoyment out of making me uncomfortable. I think that's made me more aware of things, but I don't feel victimized by it because at the end of the day, I, I saw almost like here's a here's here's something that I'm not prepared for. I'm just going to go out and do what I need to do to be prepared for that in case that ever happens again. I feel more prepared. And funnily enough, it happened again. It's just this time he was a 19-year-old kid younger than my baby. So my baby's 22 and this kid came in and he literally just had a hard on like from the beginning mm-hmm. in his pants, like just so excited for this very scenario. Never had a massage before, never been touched by a woman before. And he was like game on. He honestly thought he was coming into some type of happy ending scenario. Right. Literally did. And then actually asked me the questions like, so when I get on the table, do I get undressed? Do I stay dressed? He was trying to like figure out the, mm-hmm. si- the whole situation. And I did my biggest professionalism speech and did my spiel and I was not threatened by this kid whatsoever. I came back in. He was there with his like heart on. It was all you could see, face up, ready to go, super excited. And I was like, okay, so we're just going to have a really candid conversation right now. I see you have an erection. It's let's talk about this. And he was like, well, is that okay? Is that okay that I have an erection? And I was like, well, I can tell you that I don't go anywhere around that area. I'm here to help with some type of tension that you could be holding in your uh, shoulders, in your hips, in your, I can do feet, whatever the case may be. However, I will not be going and passing any bathing suit lines. So that's just off the table right now. And this is not the scenario for that. And I'm probably the only RMT that will have this very frank conversation with you everybody else would probably ask you to leave. So this is the conversation we need. And he goes, I I didn't know. I I thought that this is what we were going to do. I'm like, nope, this is not what we're doing. But if you do actually want to have a massage from a registered massage therapist, this is what I can project that Mm -hmm. we can do together. And do you want to do that? Oh, okay. (laughs) So he literally just sat for some normal, boring massage. Coming in thinking he was totally going to have yeah. a happy ending massage. He, this, he, this is what he anticipated. So and wow. I was like, I'm probably, and I said, then the only reason why I'm having this conversation with you is that I would hate it if my kid came in thinking this is what he was getting and nobody would tell him otherwise. And you're 19. You need to know this. This happened. I think I spoke about it on one of the previous episodes. This happened with uh, with another RMT that I know. So this young kid came in, filled out the health history form and everything, gets on the table, like 10 minutes into the massage. She's like, so when are we getting to the good stuff? And she didn't freak out or anything. She's like, you know what, man? This is not what this is. Sorry that you thought it was. I don't know. Wh- I don't know why you would have thought it was that based on the whole interaction that we've been having. But that's not what it is. I'll tell you what pay me for the time that we spent together. You know, this is what it's going to cost. I'll get out of the room, get changed. You can go on your merry way. And uh, he's like, okay, thank you. Thank you. He didn't come out of the room for a little bit. And she's like, knocking on the door. Are you okay? He's like, yeah, just give me a little bit more time. And then eventually 
he was rubbing one out in the room before he left. Oh. Uh, yeah. But, you know, at least she, um, not at least, but she approached it from, from this standpoint too. Yeah, because I think there's some value in approaching that, especially if somebody who's coming in with a certain level of expectation. It's like someone's, someone's got to wake him up. Like someone's, yeah. And he was not a threatening scenario. Very much different than my first scenario, which I would never have the guts to be there. I was just like, oh, the poor kid. Like this, this is just a kid. My only erection story from being a therapist was a kid. And I mean, he was the one that brought it up. He wasn't doing anything creepy. He wasn't touching it. Like he literally just, that happened in the middle of the, mis- uh, not even the middle. We were almost finished. And so like with your first client, I kind of just ignored it, finished the treatment and left. Um, but he wasn't touching himself. Had he been touching himself, that would have been like, whoa, kid, that's enough. But he didn't do anything inappropriate. And then when he came out to pay, he decided to bring it up. And I was like, oh, okay, we're talking about this. All right. He said, is it normal for a man to get an erection when you're treating them? And I was like, I literally had to stop. I'm like, I don't want to tell the kid he's not normal. Because obviously he's sort of embarrassed about this. Although Mark's like, maybe he was like setting you up in some way. I don't know. I don't know what this was. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, what? Tell me what? Tell me what? Nothing, what? nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Anyway, I just so said let's to him, talk about my dick. <laughs> that's essentially what you you walked into, what you yeah, fell into. That's what I fell into. Right? I mean, it was everything's a long gone, overdone. It could have just been him on his merry way. Yep. But now it's like, let's talk about my erection, shall we? Because yeah. you didn't make reference to it before. When, I did not. Right, no. you ignored it. So now let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a, literally a ten-second conversation. I said. Normal. I'm not going to say it's normal or not normal. I'm like, mm. <laughs> it's neither okay, okay. I just or not said okay. I uh, I didn't acknowledge it because I'm not going anywhere near it. I did what you came in to do, and we're good. Yeah. And then he just kind of left. He came back for one more treatment. The exact same thing happened. He didn't feel the need to talk about it this time, and then he never booked with me again. Oh, so interesting. So I mean, I know, of course, and. human physiology class at Sutherland Chan, we talk about it. And it is a normal thing for men to get erections. Mm-hmm. Apparently, through the you can tell me if this is true, Mark. Guys will tell other guys to rub one out before they come in for treatment, so it doesn't nobody gets surprised. I've never had an erection getting a massage ever, okay. and I can't imagine getting a full on blown pitch tent during a massage. You know, if I can see how a dude, if you're working maybe his inner thigh or whatever the case, and it's just and, and the and the touch isn't like overly aggressive or whatever the case is you might chub up a little bit but i can't imagine <laughs> a full fucking pitch tent during a during a therapeutic massage it makes right. no sense to me so do you think so this is like i have a mentor who i love dearly and the other time when we've talked about this because she kind of helped me process the first time the interesting conversation we had is she's like if a person is pitching a tent clearly they're going into fantasy they're no longer part of this experience because this experience isn't erogenous it's not right. an erotic experience so they're going somewhere else in their head and so she's like if you talk them back if you bring them back into the room by having conversation chances are it's going to take care of themselves and I will say that happened to me another time that I actually had a guy who turned over I was doing all this massage with him and then we turned over so he was face up and I could see that he actually had an erection but it was like he's not touching it he's not making sense he's not making the scenario about it and I literally grabbed him for head neck and shoulders I was going to do something else but I was like I don't feel like doing legs now that I'm looking at wood I'm going to come up to head neck and shoulders and 
as I was doing this, I was like, I did a suboccipital release just so I could start talking. And I was like, I want you to connect with your breath. I want you to come into some inhales, feel the compression, blah, blah, shmer, all the stuff that I say when we go through that. And as soon as I, I was watching it, it was like, <laughs> he was back with me. And I was like, okay, so this is a good kind of tool to use of like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to instantly start telling them to breathe, like come back into this experience because this is not an erotic experience. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really valuable. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I think uh, any female RMTs listening, these are good tips because this happens to a lot of us. Um, I'm still sort of stuck on the fact that the first guy that you you didn't say anything, but I, I understand it because I always wondered, like, would I say anything? Would I freeze? Like, I don't know. Because I feel like, you know, I'd want to say, like, get the fuck out of here. But then also you were alone in the clinic. What if you pissed him off? Like, there's so many ways that could yes. have went that I guess in that moment, it was perfect what you did, like just ignored it, finished and walked out. But I don't know if I would have been able to finish the treatment. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did definitely feel like I felt that heat right? That heat of uncomfortableness where I'm like, this isn't so, this is so the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm experiencing this. This is not cool. And I don't know how to move into action. So I definitely felt like I froze. And so I don't know if it was the perfect thing. It's what happened. And in the end, I felt like, okay, I now have some things to implement the next time. I'm going to have the conversation. I'm going to make it obvious. And also, I feel a bit more confident in my treatment space now where I'm like, I don't care if I lose you as a client. I could care less if you smeared me on social media yeah. as your therapist. I don't care. You don't have leverage. I'm going to ask you to leave. Like, yeah. this is inappropriate. I don't need to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Being fresh in it and brand spanking new, I think there was also a part of me where I was like, I'm uncertain. I don't really know my footing. So, yeah, it was pretty lame. However, now I'm a ninja. So I feel like it's a win. <laughs> it's a win when all said and done. <laughs> Sorry, dudes. You're not getting away with it anymore. She's right. a fucking ninja. Was that first guy old? Old guy, young guy? Older. Like, when we say older, what are you talking about? Probably mid-50s. Mm. Mid where did these? guys get yeah. the balls yeah i guess he didn't have saggy ball skin not from heavy weightlifting and competition <laughs> give me your best massage moment like the moment that that you've been practicing for three years yeah How, do you feel like you've do you feel like you've made it no i feel like i'm i am a perpetual learner and i feel like um, when I walked out of Sutherland Chan, I felt like I had my assessment down pat. I felt pretty competent in my trying to figure out speeds tests, like, you know, all the tests and the yeah. things. And I was like, yep, I can assess like no other. And then when I finally got to start treating, I was like, I don't know how to do relaxation. I don't know how to piece and flow all this together. So I quickly found a mentor. And she showed me, she's a magician in the industry for 30 plus years. She's magic. She's like legendary. And so I was like, please bestow upon me some of your magical ways. And so I did, like she did. We, we worked together. We had time. She kind of gave me some ideas. And uh, so then I feel like, okay, so I can, I feel like I can handle doing a really good relaxation piece if that's the intention. But then I felt like with my fibromyalgia patients for my chronic pain patients that can't handle touch and then they come to a massage therapist, I was like, okay, so I have no tools for you. What am I going to do? You know, and so acupuncture was a really good fit and option. Yeah. However, I feel like as the perpetual learner, I, I probably will never feel like I have arrived. I now know. Mm. I'm going to be so super cliche right now, but isn't that why we call it a practice? <laughs> 
isn't it? Namaste. But yeah, like, I, I don't know. I When I came out of school, I actually had a, a client in student clinic who was a chronic pain and she she didn't like to be touched really at all, but yes, kept coming back for massage. And as a student therapist, I just remember going to my clinic supervisor, like, what the fuck? Like, what? I don't know what to do. And it was so frustrating because she only ever wanted to see me. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And what, and I remember my clinic supervisor just saying, like, what does she need? And I'm like, what do you mean? What? Like, I didn't understand the question. It took me a while to figure out, I'm like, what does she need? And once I like really understood what it was that she was coming for and we ended up being just fine and we'd get through the treatments. And so, yeah, when I came out to practice, I felt like I had the relaxation stuff down because I had a lot of that in student clinic. I felt like, yeah, I can deal with the, the chronic pain or whatever. And where I suddenly went, oh my God, was when I would have somebody come in with this big symptom picture and I would do the assessments I learned because I thought, yeah, yeah, I know these, I know these. And then I wouldn't get the results I was expecting. I would literally just hang my head down like fail. Like I don't know what I'm doing. I, and again, now looking back at that almost nine years ago, I'm like, okay, I I was just new. I didn't know what was going on. But I remember coming out and I was like, I have no idea what I was doing. And it never occurred to me, like a thought never entered my brain to get a mentor, to talk to someone who's been in the industry. I have always had this really weird mentality of like, do it on your own. I can figure this out. And I'm not the type of person or I wasn't before the type of person to ask people for help because I also didn't want to admit that I don't know what I'm doing. Right. So I don't know if it was... So I I feel like I can completely relate to that idea of like when you go through the assessment, you do that component and then they don't, you don't have any of the symptoms that test positive or yep. negative. And so you, you are like go nowhere land and have to figure that piece out. And meeting that piece is very interesting because I definitely feel like I walk out going, well, that was, I'm an epic fail. I don't, I don't. I can't even help that person. I don't even know where to begin. So having a mentor is definitely is an incredible way to go. Now, I feel like because of my science background, I feel like I really lay heavy, like lie heavily in the world of evidence-based such and such. Mm -hmm. My mentor is intuitive touch. She's all about energetic healing and touching mm. and hands-on healing and intuitively like if someone comes in and they're upset in their stomach, she can pick up upsetness in her own stomach and so she's like we'll kind of talk her way around that and find that out and and I'm like this is the stuff that I don't know and there's been times that so now like so a little personal piece a little segue about me is because I've been so evidence-based and I've been so black and white living in the world very very much like one one-sided I now have kind of tried to really work at becoming a bit more balanced and live in the world of energetic and live in the world of like I've taken some shaman courses and I'm doing all these other things of trying to to foster that intuitive nature and uh there's a couple times where I've like kind of just I don't know what I'm going to do I'm just going to trust the process and put my hands on that person and trust the process and finish with I don't know what I did and walk out and my person's like thank you and I don't know what I did I don't even know how to write up the notes and they're like booking with me again and again. So there's something about this trusting the process bit where I think it gets to capture all the gaps. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing with assessment because they're not testing in a way that makes sense. Well, and again, if, we, if, you're, if you're an evidence-based person, then you know that a lot of the evidence shows that the orthopedic tests we've learned 
they don't necessarily tell you exactly what you think they're telling you. I do see value in them in at least leading you the right way. But there's very often times where I have a client and I do my assessments the way I do my assessments and I don't have any of these objective measuring tools. I don't have any expensive equipment. I assess the way I assess. So I'm doing this by observation and posture and gait analysis and I'm you know doing some special tests. And at the end of it, I come up with a scenario that these are some possibilities. These are the things that could be affected. This is how I'm going to treat you. You know, I'm. we don't diagnose anyway. So right. at, at the end, it finally clicked to me probably three years into my career that I don't necessarily have to know exactly what came first. Right. I don't need to know that this caused this and this caused that. I just need to know that this is a problem. This is a problem. This isn't functioning right. And let me just treat these symptoms. Why do I have to put a name on everything? That's my problem with doctors, by the way, needing to put a name on everything. So sometimes I think they just make up a fucking name so they can give you a diagnosis. There doesn't need to be a name, but we can work on things. And you know what? If this treatment approach doesn't work, okay, let's reevaluate. And I've been so much happier as a therapist, not having to name everything and to have this black and white, because again, if science doesn't support that anyway. And now, I mean, you're talking about energy. There's new studies that have just recently come to surface saying that science now supports that people in touch are exchanging energy. So woohoo, we are now officially marrying the woo-woo with the science. And I love it. Yeah, I do like that too. I have a question about your mentor. How do you find a mentor? And did you ever run into any asshole RMTs that were not interested in helping you out in any way? I have not met that. So I am grateful that I have been surrounded by RMTs, physiotherapists, chiropractors, everybody who is out to see that there's abundance and there's enough for all of us. Like there's, and, and, you know, let me know if you need anything. Even when I was like brand newbie, I mean, our friend was the first person that I met. And of course he's all encompassing, wonderful, who was like, if there's anything you need, you just let me know and I can help you. And do you have any questions? And how are you feeling? And how are you finding it? Like all the good things. And even my physiotherapist. So at my other clinic, my physiotherapist, the two of us, he does myofascial release specialist. He does a lot more myofascial stuff. So he's a very different breed of physiotherapist. And we are just like, we just nerd out in the back together. So I feel like I've had only good experiences in regards to how do I find a mentor? She found me actually. She was like, she's looking to have somebody of maturity to be able to to have her overspill of clients that she Mm. can't complete. And so as she was seeking me out, I actually got to confess to her to say, I would love, like I'm honored that you trust my work and trust me enough. But at the same time, there's many things that I feel like I'm not really good at. Would you show me? And she was like, I'd love to. So this is what we got to do. And we would just grab any body and put them on the table. And the two of us would be in the room and I would start my stuff. And then she would like literally be like, okay, so what if you did this? What if you did this? Have you considered this? And so I'm like, nope, nope, I'm gonna now. And so this is how I started kind of gaining and gleaning from her, some of her stuff. Plus, I've been on her table before as well. So I know mm. some of the stuff she does where it feels like, yeah, this is good. I love that. I love getting treatments from a variety of different people just to see what people are doing. You know, like I go in with the same complaint, same concern every time, but I see different people and I get entirely different treatments every time. I wouldn't say like, oh, this one was really effective. This one wasn't. I can, 
I can understand what the therapist is doing most of the time. Like I can see, I, I know what you're, you're trying to accomplish here. I get it. Yeah. Doing it differently than this person or differently than I would, but I see what you're trying to accomplish. And it's, it's kind of cool because you can pick up things from other people. Yet I still feel like I fall back into my own stuff. Like I will learn something from somebody and I might use it a few times in treatment and I somehow always default back to the way that I like to yes. treat. It's the same. Now, do you find that you treat how you want to be treated? Yep. yep. Me too. 100%. Me too. The number of times that I'm on somebody else's table and this is not to say that I'm not getting great treatment from people, but I'll be on somebody else's table and I'm like, man, I wish it was me doing this. <laughs> Because this is what I would be doing right now. And I never want to be that fucking pain in the ass that says, can you do this? Can you do this? Oh, can you just get into my subscap? Uh, sorry, anyone who's listening who does that. I don't know. I feel like let the therapist do what they're going to do. Because I feel like you throw people off. And although I've, I've heard some therapists say they like that. They like other therapists to tell them exactly what they want done. I don't know. I feel like I might be throwing them off or making them nervous or annoying them. So I just let them do their thing. I'm the same. I let everyone do their thing because I also feel like there's nothing saying that it's not going to be effective. Right. Right. Like when it comes to pressure, that that there's there's a bit of a pet peeve of mine. Sorry to anybody out there who is listening and might be on my table. I don't like someone telling me that they want deep pressure, that they want whatever. You know, like I just feel like I'm just going to give you the pressure I give you. Yeah. Because I pay attention to your tissue and how your tissue responds. Yeah. And I believe I, I subscribe to specificity. I want to make sure that I'm capturing muscles and be specific, but I don't necessarily need to like, like strip the shit out of you. Yeah. And I'm going to say 90% of the time I have patients who are like, yeah, no, that's perfect pressure who don't ask me. And then I have other people who are like, before they even get on my table, I like deep pressure. I want a lot of, de I want a deep tissue massage, which I think is such a fallacy. I hate the words deep tissue massage, by yeah. the way. Yeah. I don't know what it means. No. I don't know what it means. No. People, everybody puts it on their marketing because I think we feel we have to, because this is terminology that clients know yeah. is deep tissue, deep tissue, deep. It doesn't mean anything. No. And I'm with you where a part of my spiel to a new client is in terms, I literally say it like this a hundred percent of the time. Like it's, I might as well just have a recording of myself when I'm explaining what's going to happen. It's, and in terms of pressure, I will use as much as I think you need. But if there's ever a point where you feel that my pressure is too much, then you let me know. I don't even say to them, let me know if you want more. Sure, they can't, but I don't even give that as an option. I'm going to use as much as I think you need. Yes. If you feel it's too aggressive, please let me know. Yes. The end. Yes. Don't tell me to go deeper. <laughs> yes. But I do find it's interesting. Did you find that, Mark, with your big sweaty guy, that people think that they need deep pressure when they don't actually need deep pressure? For sure. I feel the same way. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like I just get some kind of guarding. Like I get people who are like, all of a sudden they're recoiling and they're contracting muscles that I'm working on and then they're asking me to drop deeper. Yeah. It's like, dude, give yeah. it up. Give it up. I don't I don't get that a lot. Like I don't get a lot of people saying like they want more pressure. I have this one client and she's like teeny tiny. Like I, I would be generous to say she's five feet tall and petite, this little tiny. And every time she comes in, she's probably like early 50s. She comes in and I said, you know, what's going on? How are you feeling? What are we, what are you here for today? And every time she's like, I just need you to give me deep, deep, deep pressure on my back and neck. I'm like, all right. And I just say, all right. I give her 
the she same treatment every time. I just, I just do what I do. Yeah. I'm like, all right. And I just do it. And she gets off the table. And she's like, oh, that's amazing. She's like, yeah. She's like, I, I like the pain. You're not doing anything different. No. So obviously you're meeting tissue or the tissue, right? The, the responsive yeah. tissue. I actually had someone who came in and she was like complained to me because she's like, I just went into this, the Scandinav, sorry, people who work at the Scandinav. And she's like, I walked in and I asked for deep pressure and then I came out and it was like she was massaging some kind of mouse. You look like a strapping girl. I want you to give me deep pressure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh my goodness! Party strapping, strapping girl. This strapping girl. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think. I think. So I think. Yeah, there was a. I mean, I'm actually guilty of it. Funny enough, is I went to Sutherland Chan Clinic to get a treatment because I used to work in a clinic right by there, and so if I had a break and I just really felt like okay. I I should go get a treatment myself. I would just pop in and see if they had any therapists free. Like I wasn't, I wasn't selective on who I saw. Um, there was actually one therapist that was there her, when I was working in that neighborhood who was honestly amazing. I should find her. She was really, really great. But anyway, sidetracked. Um, I went in and it was one of those days where I felt like, I honestly felt like I no longer had muscles in my back. It was just muscle. Yes. Like it was just one, just one singular muscle. And I really just wanted somebody to do a lot of like fascial work. I didn't want a lot of oil. Like I, you know, I wasn't going to say to the person like go deep, but I, so anyway, I see this guy come out, this big football player looking guy. And I'm like, yes, I'm so happy because I wanted somebody who was going to actually like work. I didn't want really, really light pressure because I really felt in pain. And uh, so I get on the table and I said, you know what, can you just do a lot of fascial release, like my neck, my back, my shoulders, just all of that, my pecs, like that's what I want. And he goes, really? He goes, you like fascial work? And I said, yeah, that's really what I want. He goes, do you do fascial work on your clients? I said, yeah. And he's like, and they like that and they come back. He's like, they don't find it too painful. I'm like, oh dear God. I'm, I'm on the wrong table. They oh. said, okay, well, I don't find it painful. Um, I'm in pain and I actually find that gives me relief. And he was like, okay. He did like five minutes of super gentle skin rolling, like around like my like pair of scap muscles and then the end. And then it was oil city. Oh. And I was so disappointed because I'm like, man, you're like three times my size. Like I was expecting... Something good. <laughs> You're a strapping it. young man. So yeah, I'm guilty of it, of totally like misjudging someone. And then you go to a place and you get this teeny tiny little therapist and she's fucking awesome. Yeah. It means nothing. Uh, should I say it? Size doesn't matter. <laughs> well. <laughs> well. Of course it doesn't. <laughs> you like, like a, a lot of pressure though. You like a lot of pressure. <laughs> You would. You would. Sorry, I... You like a lot of pressure. Like, yeah, I know I when do. you go to see a therapist, you tell them, like, just dig your elbows into me. I, I like to feel uncomfortable. I like to feel like I got beaten up. But I've also learned to just kind of go with whatever's happening because I... <laughs> a couple times, like, I, I've had treatment and I'm like, I fucking hate what's happening right now. And if this could be something different, I would love something different. And then I was really kind of surprised at the end result like the, how I felt come right, right after how exactly. I felt a couple days later yeah. and those few times made me think like okay next time I'm on someone's fucking table I'm just not even going to have a negative thought if it's going a way that 
I wouldn't have imagined it to go. I'm just going to trust the process and just be the patient, be the client and, and go with it. Yeah, because even those treatments that maybe in the moment feel shitty, that, like I said, I can kind of see where the therapist is going. And if you just let it happen, yeah. most of the time I do get some kind of result from it. So I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, cool. Not what I would have done, but you're not me. That's how I discovered like fucking barefoot stuff. Oh, yeah. Someone just, they, they should have told me they were going to do it, but they didn't. And they just jumped on the table. I didn't even fucking notice the fucking bars on the ceiling, right? <laughs> it was stupid me, though. And then, but it was fucking great. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. I've I never had not, a barefoot But at the no, moment, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why are you standing on my <laughs> back? You know, but it was, it was fucking great. On the other spectrum of that, like when I was learning how to do certain punches or whatever, I would get my like love scap and everything out of her traps of just be all angry the day after. And I was uh, supervising a Sutherland Chan, one of the clinics. And there was somebody there who was super gentle. They were super, super light. And as much as I don't love heavy and really deep, I do like something. Mm. And this person came in with nothing. And but he was just like so eager and so super cute. And he was like, can I, can, can I just, can I come in? And so I literally sat in my like supervisor chair and I was like making notes and then I stopped and I'm like, sure, you can just do whatever you do on my back. So she, he was, and he was like literally just kind of what it felt like nothing. Yeah. I felt like he might've been like counting vertebra. I don't know what he was doing. And he was like doing like some little very gentle work, yeah. like superficial where I was like, Okay, so this guy is like not going to grade well. <laughs> By the time we were done, everything had subsided. Like my entire shoulder felt better. I had full range of motion. I was like, what the fuck? I couldn't even get yeah. over where I was like, you don't even need to have a ton of pressure. This is where I kept on thinking, this is just a nudge. It's just like, it's just an invitation to your nervous system to say, mm -hmm. you don't got to do this. Yeah. What if you do that? And if your body subscribes, if you buy in mm -hmm. all of this like range and this guy basically was like a hands-on Reiki healing. Like it was like, there was nothing he did, but apparently there was everything he did because mm. it was all released. I was, imp I was super impressed. It was a wake up call to me to see what, like, maybe we can put a question mark next to how much pressure we actually need to see change. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So maybe we should all stop saying deep tissue. Just don't say the words deep yeah. tissue. Just deep tissue. I actually had someone come in today um, and she like wheeled her husband who um, had recently had a stroke and she was like, nobody's had, nobody in the family had a massage before. So they only booked 30 minutes for my person to be able to do all low back and left, like full left extremity. And I was like, good. 30 minutes to prove myself to try and get somebody to subscribe to the idea of massage as a stroke recovery tool. Anyways, long story short, we did our work, got off the table. He went back in his wheelchair and she's like, so was it a deep tissue massage that you gave him? That was deep tissue, right? Is he going to be sore tonight? And he's like, yeah, do it. Am I going to be, is this going to feel awful tonight? Mm. <laughs> like, what do you guys think we do here? Like, what do you think? That's so nuts, eh? It's just deep tissue. Where did that come from? Who came, who, who came up with that first? The client or the therapist? Chicken or the egg? Like I'm gonna say I'm gonna say therapist. I can't imagine it. Like I feel like a client would know anything. And I think it started from good intention. Like I think it started with, you know, when massage became a thing and there was, a, you know, the menu of services. You know, are you somebody who likes deep tissue or you, do you want like relaxation? Like even in spas now, you, there's these options, right? Yeah, Therapeutic or yeah, exactly. So I think therapists started using deep tissue to explain to people, this is where you're going to get the heavier pressure and the more, um, 
yeah, like therapeutic massage where it's not necessarily going to be all relaxation. We're going to try to accomplish something. And I think people took it way too far to mean, you know, elbow in your rhomboids until you want to cry. Right. When we know that you don't need to do that. Right. I don't know. It leaves me confused because I do know I had one of my patients who apparently had something with his shoulder and went to some spa when he was away. And then that person made notes and then said, when you go home, you're going to see an RMT and they're going to do this, you know, get, show them this piece of paper. And so this piece of paper was like, he, please use medium pressure. Please include paraspinals. And I was like, this is, this is the notes, like <laughs> medium pressure. All right. Check. Like, I was like, oh, really? Because I kind of was hoping for something real. Please use medium pressure. All right. Medium pressure. Medium it is. You said before when you're talking about your patient that booked for or or their family booked them for a half hour and you kind of said something along the lines like, oh, man, now I got 30 minutes to prove myself. Do you feel that is something you need to do? Like, do you feel that pressure of the need to like prove myself or, or, or be the champion for massage therapy for this and show you that this is a real thing that could really help out? Do you, do you wear that? Do you wear that? From time to time, I do. Yeah. yeah. There's been times that I do, especially for the people who come in. So you talk about the most irate person. I definitely feel like if I have someone coming in, especially if they're in like acute pain, there's something and they're just they're just very unpleasant. They're just very unhappy mm-hmm. to begin with. And they, they haven't even bought into massage. Like yep. they never had one. They're not buying in. And then you're the person that they meet and they're grumpy and they're in pain <laughs> and they don't even know if they're going to buy into you anyways. You know, those are some of my favorite clients. Well, you know, those are some of the ones that I've actually kept for the long haul. The ones who come in, they're just like, like I actually had a guy who came in and he actually would try. He didn't even come in for massage. He came in for a physiotherapist. And then my physiotherapist had no time on his schedule, but I happened to have a free afternoon. So he came in. He's like, Candace, because I actually blocked it off because I was going to do some grocery shopping. And he was like, would you stay, you know? And I was like, of course I will. And he was like, come in and meet my patient. So this guy didn't even come in for massage. He came in for physio. Mm -hmm. And so he was really extra (laughs) not buying in. So I was like, sure, I can do some things. And his eyes lit up when I said acupuncture. And anyways... And here he is in full recovery. And he goes, it's thanks to you. It's, this is thanks to you. And I'm going to change my life now. He's now changing his life. He's going to pay more attention because he's in his 50s and he's an athlete. And now he's going to dial it back because he's, his body just doesn't recover so well when it's working out six days a week, including basketball and gardening and all of the extra, you know, he needs more recovery time. So he's actually going to pay attention to this injury to have it change. And he's like, and then I want maintenance massage. And I was like, all right. Okay. So, Sold. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, like, to say that, that some of those people have been actually, they're still on my table because whatever has happened. But there is times, especially if they're coming in and they're, they don't buy in or they've had a really shitty experience. I've actually had some of the people who um, I have actually, well, it's interesting. I've had four people who've come in to see me who actually were assaulted by an RMT before. So, I definitely feel like I need to champion mm-hmm. for RMTs across the world to sit there and say, we're oh, not all yeah. like, that. Let me show you a better experience. Oh God, please let this be a better experience. So there are times. So these four people that were assaulted by a therapist, one, like were these four people all together or just randomly four different people came to you who all had a similar story? Yes. They all had a similar story. There's, there has been some stuff going on in my neck of the woods. So they came and all of them had similar stories. They didn't know each other as far as I know. 
Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know the I don't know the background. I don't know the details. All I know is that there was four different people who came to me. Yeah, in that case, you have to be very aware of what they went through, what a negative experience they had with massage therapy. And yeah, exactly. You have to let them know like this is safe, you're safe here and that's a lot of pressure to be put on you. Yeah. So, you know, Mark, when you're asking that question, do I feel the need? Yes. Every once in a while, I yeah. do feel the need that I need to champion for RMTs to say, we're all, we're not all like the experience you just had. That's one thing I've talked about before is I feel like sometimes with some people, if they have a bad experience with massage, that's it. They write off the profession. Whereas if you have a bad experience with, let's say, a dentist, you don't never go to a dentist again. You go find a better dentist. Right. But it seems to be that people will have a negative experience experience with massage and then that's it. I'm I'm not going to another RMT. So I'm actually impressed that these people would go. I don't go. need to see an RMT. Well, exactly. You're not going to die if you but don't I've have a massage. But I've got a hole in my fucking tooth. I need to right. see somebody yeah, for that. That's true. Well, no, I understand why that happens, but I just find it unfortunate sometimes. I'm even impressed at the fact that these four people decided I'm going to go for massage again because I feel like something like that, like to be assaulted, I might... I, I might take a step back. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I would be ready to jump in. Yeah. That's insane. Who who in your mind is uh, not meant to do this job? <laughs> do you want names? <laughs> <laughs> Lady Gaga. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Why is Lady Gaga the first person that popped into my mind? Lady Gaga. Actually, you know what? She might be great at I this job. I wonder if she'd be really good at this I feel work. like she's actually a nice human. So I, I agree with you. I think she is a nice Why human. Why did you think she wasn't a nice human? I never did. I just said I think she's a nice human. Oh, sorry. So I'm that. taking back what I said because she I think... She might be an excellent RMT. I think she might be excellent at this. I feel like she shows that she could be empathetic. I feel like she's a very real person. I feel she's a humble person. I feel like status and all that stuff isn't so super huge to her. She might be a good therapist. Yeah. I wonder if she'd be an excellent therapist. And Keanu Reeves would be a good therapist. You think Keanu Reeves? Such a good therapist. And I would hope he'd be mine. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know know if he'd be a good therapist. Why? I don't know, man. I feel like Keanu Reeves is very like in tune with energy and again, the humble person. All I see is fucking Bill and Ted. Okay. Was that so bad? Like, no, it's great for me. Thing. It's great for me. I just finished love. watching. What's that? What's the movie? John Wick. Yes, I just finished watching John Wick. So a kind of blend of John Wick meets like Bill and Ted <laughs> as your therapist. Oh my God. Okay. So um, there's a new movie on Netflix called... Um, always be my maybe it's um i cannot remember the actors names but anyway keanu reeves has a cameo in it and he plays the exact opposite of what keanu reeves really is but he's playing himself so in this movie he's like super pretentious and uh yeah it's like a, the very opposite of what people would know about keanu reeves so i just i found it like the comedy was there but you would have to i think know who keanu reeves is to understand that this is all fucking hilarious because he would not be this pretentious right. douchey person that he plays right. in this movie right keanu reeves good massage therapist well i like where this is going <laughs> no but you're we saying who would be a bad massage therapist? you know who would be like not a person it, like what you were asking her is who would be a shitty massage therapist in my my opinion i feel like the only shitty therapists are people who can't relate to all different types of people like i feel like you have to be somewhat of a not necessarily chameleon you don't have to change who you are but be able to just understand people and and connect with people in a way that they are going to feel really comfortable with you so i feel like there are people who are just more 
awkward in those situations that they can't, they can't get on the same level with different types of people. So, you know, you have to be able to work with Keanu Reeves at just as much as you'd be able to work with I don't know. Sweaty man. The sweaty man. Sweaty yeah. Man. Like yeah. you have to be able to understand all different types of people and be able to relate to them. And I think, I think that is a skill. I agree with you. Cause I think it's that ability to meet a person where they are yeah. and, and understand that there's a kind of like the passive you had, I think you had said that actually before about there's a passive role that we take mm-hmm. as much as we are kind of implementing an experience. We're also taking a passive role because it's them, right? Mm-hmm. It's, this is their experience. This is who they are. Um, so be able to meet that. I think a person, again, like I can't think of a particular individual, but I know that I've heard people complain about body hair, like, and they are therapists. And I feel like Jesus to be, to be that person who's got judgment on certain body things, especially as something as natural as hair that grows off the body. And then they come and uh, like have to meet a hairy guy. Like that would just that would be so such a shitty experience for that guy to go or hairy girl like whoever comes to the table with excess hair and then you have a therapist who hate thinks hair is disgusting Mm -hmm. I feel like that's that's a clash like that's not really it it is a clash I've said before like if you don't like touching feet if you're grossed out by certain things that's probably this is not probably. This is the wrong profession for you. I had this conversation with a client today. He's had a lobectomy. So, I mean, part of his brain is no longer there. So, um, there's certain parts of his body that don't really function the way that they they used to. And so, one of his shoulders just sort of very easily, like, pops in and out. And he was talking about it. And he said, Oh, I'm sorry, does that make you cringe? I said, No, not at all. And he said, like, if my shoulder like popped out, like, does the sound gross you? And I said, No, not at all. I'm like, to be honest with you, it takes a lot to gross me out. Yeah. And I had to remind him, I'm like, I touch people's feet. I'm, you know, I'm like, I just had my fingers in your armpit, dude. Like, I'm not really grossed out by a lot of things. So don't worry about it. Yes. Are armpits that gross? Like, what's the grossest part of the body? What's the grossest part of the body? That you'd have to treat. I think armpits are up there. On a day like today, one of the first warm days we've had in this freaking city. And this is a guy who, he takes transit here. So he's, you know, walking out. I mean... His armpits were a little moist and he's a guy, he's not shaving them. So it's, you know, long, wet hair and I'm sticking my fingers right in there. But again, it's just, it's just part of my job and I don't really think too much about it. I will, I would be lying to say if there weren't a few times in my career where I was like, this is a little gross, but you get over it really quick. I agree. So I have to say what's gross because I, I can't think of a particular because I also do subscap work. And so I know that that's like always fingers in the armpit and they're people that don't believe in deodorant. And so that blend is like a perfect recipe for me to go home that night and then like wash my hands and scrub and, and then get smell, home and yeah. I can still smell. I'm like, dude, oh, yeah. that's the, I think the part that to me, I'm like, this is so disappointing because I scrub and scrub and scrub you and all I can off. smell is my patient's armpits in my nose while I'm eating my burger or something, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So it's that kind of experience, but I can't say that there's any really gross. Okay. So to be really gross, there's a, there's a woman who I was treating and I loved her dearly. So I forgave her often every time she was on the table and I needed to do anterior um, upper thigh work and she had pubic hair down to her knees. Mm. And there was a point where I'm like, I literally had to like get my head out of that thought process of like I'm stripping her adductors knee rising 
and she's fully draped and there's pubic hair and I have fingers in pubic hair. Mm-hmm. I have fingers in her pubic hair. Yeah. Like I had to not go down that process because every time I did, I'd start feeling a little bit like my stomach doesn't yeah. feel well. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. There's things that when you actually think about it, like, hey, this is a, you know, it's a little much. Like I've talked about on the podcast, the only times I've ever been grossed out, like we've talked about. Does body hair gross me out? No, not at all. I've got tons of clients who, and even I find it amusing when people will say like, oh, sorry, I'm hairy. Doesn't really bother me, but I did have a couple of clients whose back hair was, you know, like a few inches rising off their back. And so it would get stuck to me, you know, stuck to the back of my hands, the back of my arms. You actually have like loose hair And you have to like pick it off. And you have to pick the hair off. That, okay, that made me a little like, oh, come on, I got hair all over me. Like that's kind (laughs) of gross. Would you rather that? Would you rather that or the dude that shaves his back and now is just nothing but fucking stubble. I, I yes. have a client who's, who's always the stubbly guy. I think at the beginning of the treatment, I'm like, oh, like it feels kind of weird. I don't know. Is it like I, I get like acclimated to it? You I don't get I, acclimated I, yeah. to it, it because doesn't bother I feel me like so much. that doesn't bother me. And then that, the loose hair doesn't bother me. You know what really bothers me? It doesn't even bother me so much because I feel like, again, it's very forgivable. When someone has a tan or they burn. Oh. Yeah. And then they the come to you and their skin. You know. And there's skin in my nails and their skin is like, sometimes I'm like, (sighs) or the people who have spent, like they're clearly having washed for a couple of days. Yeah. Those are the things where I'm like, dude, you knew you were coming to my table. The least you could have done is showered or bathed or scrubbed your feet today. When I get those balls of skin, I will wipe it off on the table right next to them so they can see this is, <laughs> Just this is what what's coming did. off of your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Just look what you did. Always, always. Boom. Right beside you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. The dirty skin that comes off, not even just with people with a tan. It's, yeah, the people who haven't, like, cleaned themselves. Yeah. It actually does come, like, the dirt literally comes yes, off on your hands. And I'm yes. like, oh. Or cupping. Do you do cupping? Yes. Yes. It's very obvious when it comes it comes time for cupping who showers and who doesn't before yeah. they come in to treatment. See, I totally get like if you're going for a treatment, not taking a shower right before. But I mean, I would assume that you showered at least yesterday. So you wouldn't be that dirty. But if you're coming in like your skin is that dirty, you haven't showered in a few days. And that, yeah, that kind of grosses me out. Right. Except for the people who are unable to do this on a daily basis. And then I make accommodations because I think at the end of the day, I make accommodations for every person. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some times where I've had some super smelly feet. I've actually massaged hockey players after games and the stuff that they have in their hands. Like that's the same thing. The smell doesn't come off their hands just because they shower. doesn't mean they don't smell like hockey anymore yeah. yeah and that i'm like hockey players Dude. straight off of the ice like oh their equipment that is one of the most vile smelling things in the entire their world. equipment is vile it vile. is so gross yeah yeah so gross i could handle a lot of things uh you talked about the feet i had a client uh, probably last year sometime um who came to me just for an injury so i maybe saw him for four weeks once his injury was done so and he was he was good to go i haven't seen him since but he had some of the most strongest smelling feet. And I couldn't quite even put my finger, like, I was like, how, how does that happen? Like he would take his shoes off and instantly it was like, it was like the cartoons with the clouds. Like it was instant, like, oh my God, what is that? You know, remember the show Full House from yes. when we were, that 
there was a character on it, Kimmy Gibbler, who like that was the joke. She'd take her shoes off and everybody was like, what's that smell? Like that's how bad it was. The minute his shoes came off, even if he was at the other end of the room, I could smell his feet. And I remember one time I, I laughed like so hard. One time he was here and Mark wasn't here. And then uh, he left. Mark came in. Mark comes into my treatment room as I'm changing over the table for the next client. And Mark walks out and he goes, what the fuck? It smells like somebody took a shit in there. I'm like, oh my God. The foot smell lingered after he left. Oh, yeah. That was a foot smell? That was a that was a that foot smell. That was his feet. Oh, that's what that's, I mean. It's time to throw away your shoes when you're when your feet smell like that. I couldn't understand why I his feet. I wonder if there's like a thing, like you know how people have ha- halitosis? I yeah. Wonder if there's like a, people have like exceptionally smelly feet. I really wondered, like there's got to be an issue here. Like why do your feet smell that badly? His shoes weren't like old beat up shoes. Um, his socks always had holes in them actually. <laughs> Always. Yeah, because the stink of his feet disintegrates those. <laughs> they were some strong smelling feet. Oh. And he was like the funniest guy, too. Like, we would have the best. Like, because I mean, he was in there for an injury. So his treatments weren't like la-di-da-di and relaxation. Like we, we were usually talking through them and we'd have the funniest conversations. He was super interesting. And you know, again, you get habituated to things. So halfway through the treatment, I didn't notice the yeah. smell off his feet anymore. Yeah. But each and every time he'd come in, I would like brace myself for those shoes coming <laughs> off. I feel like, yo, can you just keep your shoes on today? Oh, you don't I have to take those do off. It. I on. couldn't do it. That's the other thing because I get so, like, I get to know my clients so well that I'm like, I just, I just love you. I mean, your yeah. feet fucking smell, but you're just really cool. Yes. But please don't take your shoes off. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we've talked yeah. about so many random things tonight. You win, you win the lottery tonight. Yeah. You're still doing this? Yes, but then I'll be really hyper-selective, and then I'm going to throw in some shaman voodoo as well. Like, I want to do it all. Mm. I want to do it all. I want to be the holistic person who can be the, the healer of souls and bodies. And Do you want to be the famous holistic healer or do you want to be the the secret one that people talk about? The one that's really hard to come by. The one who's all like, but have you seen Candace? Ah, you know, I want to be like that. You want to be the Kaiser Soze of... uh, The what? (laughs) The Kaiser Soze of uh, massage. (laughs) You can either, yeah, you can either be underground or you can, you know, end up on like a TLC special. I would never end up like a TLC special like Dr. Dr. Pimple Pimple Popper. Popper. Yeah, I can't. I can't because I feel like I will never look at her the same again. Like I feel like I can't take her seriously because she's like Dr. Pimple Popper. I feel like it's the same thing as like the the so you think you can dance or the the rising of the the singing the singers. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's 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 such a disservice because they're just always the person who won that concert or that who won that what is it called? Help me out with my. So language. you think you dance American Idol? American Idol, yeah. 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 So you're the one who won American Idol. You're it's almost like you're pigeonholed into that thing now. I feel like the only one of the only people that escaped that pigeonhole is Kelly Clarkson. I don't feel like I look at her as American Idol winner. I totally do. I really don't. Um, most of the other ones, I agree with you. I feel like Kelly Clarkson somehow like made her own way after American Idol. Maybe because she was one of the first. I don't know. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Anyway, no, I, I agree with you with the Dr. Pimple Popper. We've had this discussion where I say, like, do you think that other dermatologists look at her and think like, man, why didn't I think of that? Or are they like, she's a fucking joke to our profession? Like, I don't know. I don't know either. I feel like it's, I think she's making a... 
I don't like it. I mean, I don't like reality TV. Maybe I just come in as a super judgmental person because I don't watch a lot of TV. And then I just think like, you're going to make a reality show out of this? Like, come on. And I guess I feel like that'd be the same as as the escalating star that I'm going to become. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be the healer of all facets of people. Yeah. I would be the underground person of like, you know, it's it's a year and a half before you can see Candace. She's that magical. And nobody knows what your face looks like. Right. Maybe you start wearing veils. I don't know. There's so yeah, many things. I could things. totally come in with veils. Like, I could have my hoodie over top of my head with some security guards helping me in, shuffle me in from the back. That was Candace, I think. I think you just need to lay those healing hands on one famous person and you're gold. You think so? And then you can be that person. Yeah. We've talked about Keanu Reeves a lot. I, I keep breaking him up. I'm one like super obsessed with him right now. Gold. I can it. see why I saw John Wick. I love Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Everything so about do I. Him. Guy, the guy loves yeah. motorcycles. I love that guy. And plus all the humbling, like you hear everything about him and his real life. And yeah. he's yeah. just the most humble, incredible creature that's ever walked the earth. It's practically Jesus Christ. And he kind of looks like him. Kind of I, I mean, what we have decided Jesus looks like. Because <laughs> let's be honest, Jesus was not this white guy. <laughs> what? What are you telling me? <laughs> I mean, Je- Jesus looks like my brother. Like, come on. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get we're gonna get hate email. That's ah, fine. It's the unprofessional. First, first we okay. loaded it on on Trump and CNN, and now we're finishing off with like Jesus. with Jesus over here. It's all right. Right on. This has been fun. This has been good Friday night. Super fun. This is a good Friday night. Yeah. Thanks for coming by. This is cool. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. This has been really great. Maybe we'll have you back to chat about some more serious topics one day. All right. Yeah. All right. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of serious stuff you got going on. It's really cool. I dig it. Thanks. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. Peace. <laughs>